All right, here we are again. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. Drinking a little Eagle Rare tonight. It's going down pretty smooth. This is a great bang for your buck bourbon. I'll tell you what. Dilly. And welcome back to another episode of Core for Life. We've got a special treat for everybody here today. I know we said we would do episodes where you get to know each of us in the core four every 10 episodes, but back by popular demand, we're actually doing this at episode 15. So Mike Brown is in the hot seat here tonight. Welcome, Mike. Oh, glad to be here Welcome. as I always am, but <laughs> <laughs> haven't, haven't missed an episode yet. So <laughs> yeah. it'd be weird if you weren't here, but good to have you anyway. Okay. Well, good to be here. <laughs> well, man, why don't you uh, give us a little intro Give us a little background on yourself. Who is Mike Brown for those that don't know you? Sure, I'd be I'd be happy to. Uh, but I will say just uh, on the front end here, I miss details sometimes. So if I forget somebody or some kind of important uh, thing that might have happened in my life, <laughs> I don't know who's all going to be listening to this. I'm going to just apologize on Please the front end. Please don't be offended. <laughs> Please don't be offended. Uh. If, um, you, if you feel like you've had a big impact in Mike's life, you probably have. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just, I'm just not, I'm just not a detail guy all the time. But uh, so anyway, I mean, growing up, uh, grew up in a, with a, a great family and grew up in the church, had good parents and uh, have three sisters. I was the baby, the the blessing that came nine years later. So my youngest sister, such a blessing, <laughs> such, a, such a blessing, such a blessing. And uh, so my youngest sister, Heidi, uh, nine years older than me, she's married to Matt Lee, who we had on the podcast, and they've got three boys, live out here in Stowe, Ohio. Yep. I uh, got a middle sister, Holly, married to Chris, and they live in Richmond, Virginia with their four girls. And also my oldest sister, Heather, who we ha- or her podcast is going to be coming up, mm-hmm. married to Ray, who is already on the podcast, and they've got three girls, and they also live in Richmond. So, and like I said, great, great parents as well. Had three extra moms, as you can imagine, growing up. Uh, oh yeah, with with them, but just uh, what everyone dreams of. Yeah. Four moms, <laughs> yes, four moms, <laughs> sometimes. But I, I mean, I, I'd say I'd had more of the spoiling than anything else. I don't know. If That's you, true. Yeah. It doesn't the come only across. It doesn't all, come across. So. I, didn't think, I didn't think so. Yeah, I didn't think so. But born on New Year's. Born on New Year's Eve. Always, so always a party. I'm always down for a party. Just kind of, just kind of came up partying and, and just kind of lived your life that way. Right? That's it's you know we gotta have some fun while we're here. Got you to. know, gotta. We'll have a definitely get into that here. Get yep. to the fun activities shortly. And but I did want to mention. I mean, my parents, because again, people that know me, I'm not always the most open with my emotions. I'm just not a very emotional guy, I guess you would say. Uh, but I do want to give some props to my parents who, I mean, definitely had their struggles raising me because I wasn't always the easiest, but definitely wouldn't be where I am today without uh, without their love, support, just, I mean, great people, very super kind, and just always there for me for whatever I would need. So props to you, Lester and Constance. Cheers to parents, here. good parents, yeah. You, you did, I mean, you did a great job. Some people might disagree if they know me, but I think you did a good job, <laughs> you know. It's, it's not surprising that Mike says you did a good job, so. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So that was, I mean, 
that's pretty much a short and sweet of the of some of the background growing up and I mean did a little I mean grew up in the Philadelphia area Pennsylvania and moved out to Arizona for four years for my dad's job transfer so I was kind of an only child by that point when we moved out there and Spent lost your other three moms were, lost were out of the, the house. Yeah, <laughs> lost the other three moms. They were all doing their own thing at that point. And, uh, and then we actually moved back to the Philadelphia area, Pennsylvania. And, yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much the, the background growing up. What were you like as a kid? Man, what was I like? I mean, there would be better people to answer that question. But uh, <laughs> I would say I was always very energetic and uh, liked to – like to get into a lot of different things and uh I don't know but there was also a period where I was I was a little shy you know I was a little more shy and um took you know kind of a period of my life got to uh had to get out of my shell a little bit get out of my comfort zone and that kind of opened things back up to who I am more today kind of moving around probably yeah not a ton but like moving around a little bit as a kid going to new schools a couple different times like that's got a probably play into that like a little bit definitely yeah that was kind of the start of it i think when we moved out to arizona and kind of a culture shock of everything i had ever known going out there and kind of went through those awkward years because it was during middle school anyway so that was uh yeah definitely during that and then high school opened back up a little bit and always been into a lot of sports which we'll talk some more about but uh, so that that helped to open things back up as well. Played football in college, so it really started to open back up more there too. Why don't we go into that like a little bit here? As far as being fit, I think at the table here you were the only. We all probably played some intramural sports, some different things like that, but you were the only official athlete on the official varsity team. Four years of of college football, then. Correct. Yeah. So, it, it grew up playing. Uh, a lot of sports, all sports, and uh, we we talk a lot about finding your identity, and you can find your identity in a lot of different things, whether it be sports, your job, uh, your children, your wife, you know, money, whatever. Uh, but really, we know there's there's one path to where that identity should be found. But for me, you know, I would say my identity growing up, at least, was definitely in sports. You know everything I did was revolved around that. And so, you know, again, like I said, played everything and uh, winded up playing football in college for four years. And really through that really helped me know that like, Hey, I'm really not great at any sport. You know, I like to play them all and I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty good at all of them, but, uh, helped me realize playing at a D three school, uh, definitely got some good playing time, but wouldn't, uh, <laughs> It wouldn't say I was one of the best players out there for sure, and it helped me realize I gotta I gotta start looking towards other things and started to look more towards my faith at that point, and that was kind of a uh, an eye opener to you know starting to to look towards some other stuff in my life rather than sports. When would you say that was like at the end of your college career? Yeah, or was that? yeah, I would think. I mean, I found different mentors in college and started to go down the path of uh, just searching more and. I'd always grown up in the faith and as a as a Christian, but didn't really didn't really mean a ton to me throughout that time. Didn't really seek after God, but finding some good people in my life helped me to start seeking more and looking towards Him and seeing what really it meant to have a relationship with Christ. And that was yeah, probably more towards sophomore, junior year of of college. 
Was there anyone that you met at that time that made a big impact? Um, good question. So, you know, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to double back a little bit because I definitely my, my high school football coach did was an influence for me there. He he had a, a you know bad past of you know drugs, alcohol, you know, a party lifestyle. He played in the NFL for you know ten plus years and. Uh, he turned his life around and led a, you know, led a football program at a small Christian high school to just do it as a ministry. So, you know, it definitely did start in, in high school um, with his mentorship. And that led into me looking for other mentors through college. And it, it was kind of different people. Some of the our small groups that we were in in college, um, different people that we were looking to, some of the upperclassmen, uh, nothing super in particular, but just started to get me uh, looking towards it. Cool. I think my favorite quote of your college career is D1 hands, but D3 speed. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I feel like that that kind of sums up where I know I probably D3 hands, D3 speed would have been my, definitely my college career. So yeah. I opted not to play knowing that I would be terrible. Yeah, that's <laughs> but, right. Yeah, that's right. We'll, we'll get a shout out to Jared Williams, who is also on the podcast as well. We always talk about it. He always says it, but it's, it's true. I mean, I, I got good hands. I'm not going to lie. But <laughs> this I man can catch anything. I definitely <laughs> do not have the speed. <laughs> but yeah, and, and I'll, I'll mention too, I mean, this is and finding, finding that identity. I think, um, you know, after college continued playing sports as much as I, I could and was playing intramural basketball at uh, the CCC campus, the good 6 a.m., mornings before work i'd go play basketball at drive up an hour to uh, to westlake where i was working at the time and i'd work out after work from about you know 5 30 to 6 30 drive home pass out and do it all over again you know and that's where i think my body had finally taken a, a toll from all the years of, of football and uh, tore my acl playing uh, playing that 6 a.m. basketball and didn't know I did it at the time and tried to strengthen it, but finally went in for the MRI and like, yeah, it's a clean tear. So probably should get that taken care of. And after that, you know, not being able to really play anything for a year and didn't really have the motivation to, you know, get back to a competitive sport again, just kind of changed things again in my life. It was a turning point to there's got to be again, more to this. And, you know, I've, I'd gotten married at that point and found, different things that you could look towards but you know hey this sports isn't everything and there was a lot more to to look forward to well, i don't think anybody who's met you could say that you've lost a competitive edge <laughs> uh right. just you know <laughs> playing anything with mike it, there's a good chance you'll uh you know euchre spike ball <laughs> i mean you anything. It. anything gets super competitive and it's and, a win and it's probably a win for mike you know most of the time except for racquetball that's right. <laughs> Ryan is a, a fantastic racquetball player. I have beaten him a couple times, though. So I think he could be on the professional racquetball circuit. <laughs> the, if there the, is one. That's the ranking. If yeah. that can beat Mike. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but talking about the competitive aspect, you know, when I tore my ACL, I was working at uh, Spyglass at the time. It was my pretty much job right out of college. Uh, I'll just kick things over to the, to the be driven pillar here and talk yeah, a little bit it. about that. I mean, cause that's, yep. that's where my, I found my competitive edge to be able to, 
uh, continue with me. You know, and that's I never thought of myself getting into sales. I went to school for uh, for business and sport management, and saw myself working with uh, you know within a, the sports industry on the business side. You know, I'd worked with the Eagles for a couple of years in their ticket office, and then got a scouting internship and was doing that. Decided to come back to Ohio to get married. Uh, felt like that was the path that God was leading me towards, and uh, definitely glad at this point that I did. And it was a great path to, to go down. And uh, but that I, again, I didn't see myself necessarily getting into sales. But once I was doing it, I was like, well, this is perfect because all sales is is kind of sports again. It's a competition. You're just trying to trying to beat everybody and as long <laughs> as you're beating everybody you're probably going to get promoted and move up and you know so that's what I that was kind of my goal for a long time was just work hard and and be good at what we were doing and that helped me to drive my career and you said you've been with Spyglass since you started your career essentially yes my last internship was with the Eagles and uh, started up at Spyglass in the fall of 2008 so I was I was there I was in there uh, inside sales department with five other dudes and I mean it was a good transition again from college just kind of hanging out with guys your own age again in that competitive atmosphere making 100 dials a day just grinding away uh, did that for about a year and a half uh, did lead a team a little team through part of that as well so was able to get promoted into outside sales and did that for you know a number of years just driving 60,000 miles a, a year the daily grind of getting off the phones was done but now you're now you're driving 60,000 miles a year just driving all around normally getting up at like 6 a.m. and you know driving three hours to your nine o'clock meeting spending the day out in the territory going to different different meetings go, doing different drop-ins doing other prospecting getting home at six o'clock learning how to do the job, doing all your admin work and other stuff when you get home. So usually it's about a, a six to six day was did that for a number of years until you kind of get a hang of that. And once I got a hang of that, it was like, all right, well, we got to keep growing this thing. So then I started training people. My boss um, who had trained me uh, was at that point trying to transition a bit out of out of his role. And, and that's Larry. And hopefully Larry's listening to this one because hoping to get Larry on this podcast, too. And Larry's definitely been influential in, in my my career uh, being at Spyglass. He's been there the whole time that I have and has been a, a big mentor for me on the on the work side of things. So he's he's helped me grow, helped me learn how to be a good trainer, train uh, all of the reps that we've had coming into the role. So I did that for a number of years as well. You know, just being locked into the hip with a with a trainee for a couple months and riding along, doing the job in the full territory, and finally got to a point where it's like, all right, well, we if we want to keep this thing moving, keep growing, you know, we got to move you to more of a full time management role. And you know, honestly, it was a it was a hard decision at the time because all I had ever known was individually producing. It's like, yeah, I like this training aspect of it. I like building a team, working with the team, the managing side of it, but really that was a small component of my comp at the time. And it's like to take your comp from you really relying on yourself to relying on other people, it's, a, it's kind of a whole different mindset. And so it was hard to make the transition, but looking back, definitely wouldn't change anything. And it's been a great move for my career and things that I've gotten to learn and go through during that time. And been some challenges but 
you know, I wouldn't trade the relationships. I've made great relationships and worked with a lot of great people over the years. And it's been a successful, you know, work career so far. So you've been managing sales people for a while now. Like, do you have any tips for people entering that kind of role, like a management role? Like what, uh, what do you have that could benefit some people who may be listening that are considering that type of role? For sure. I mean, well, one thing is I was going to mention if we got into some resources later, uh, there's a, a great book by Ryan Hawk, who, again, Larry, he's he kind of introduced me to. He's been in some of his leadership circles, but he's one of the top you know, work leadership career uh, people that there are right now. And he's he's got a podcast that's out there, but he also has a new book called Welcome to Management. And it's, a, I mean, really, I mean, can't ask for something better if you're getting into management or if you even been in management for a while and uh, it's, it's going to give you great tips. But me personally, I would just say like, you've got to, you've got to really figure out what your motivations are. You know, what are you really looking to do? Cause if you're really just trying to get out of the, the sales grind, there's a whole different grind that's associated with being a, being a good manager and being in that role. So, so that would be the one kind of thing you gotta, you gotta know yourself and you gotta know what, what motivates you. What's your motivation? My motivation, I think you guys all know me at this point. Like, uh, I like I like the relationship side of things. I like talking with people, working through issues, whether it be work related, career related, or you know, on the personal side, just trying to help help people through issues, different things that they're going on, challenges, you know, in the job and their personal life, trying to work through some of that stuff. So that's that's been the biggest component for me. Cool. As as a manager, you got to have a lot of tough conversations with people that are under you as well, too. So people that aren't very motivated, maybe aren't hitting their numbers, but they're trying. Kind of how do you get in the mindset to have some more of those like difficult conversations or how do you approach those type of conversations that aren't going to be always fun for you to have? They're not going to be fun for somebody to maybe hear. But a sales role, ultimately, you got you to kind of hit the numbers. You got to be able to do the job well. So how do you approach those conversations that are a little bit tougher? Yeah, uh, good question. I mean, I, I've i never struggled too much with the, the tough conversations because <laughs> especially with with sales, you know, sales is kind of easy because it's a it's a numbers game, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the numbers don't lie. <laughs> and I've always preached to everybody who's been on my teams, like if you're if you're hitting your numbers consistently, our conversations are going to be pretty easy. We're going to talk about more personal life and different challenges that are going on there. Yeah. How can we help you improve in any, in any areas there and, and whatever else is going on in your life. But if you're, if you're not hitting numbers, but your activities there and you, and you're working hard and you got a good attitude and you're asking questions, then you're doing the right things. You know, the tough so having that attitude, it's one thing if they're, if they have the attitude and they're doing everything that they can, exactly. it's a lot different if they don't. Exactly. Yeah. Cause I mean, I've worked with plenty of low performers who are you know maybe it didn't end up working out for them but they st- we stuck with them we, we did everything we can to put it into them because they you know they had good attitude they worked hard and you know they tried to make it work but i, th- I think the you know the rubber meets the road when you you have somebody who's not hitting numbers and the activity is not there maybe the attitude is not great and they're not asking questions you know then it's like hey what's what's going on and you know, you can't shy away from that kind of stuff as a manager because you're not doing them any favors and you're not doing yourself any favors because they're just going to, their numbers are going to keep pulling you down too. Yeah. So I'll say over the 
last couple of years, we've had quite a few prayer requests for your team. So we meet in the mornings, we work out, and we're always kind of having an open prayer session afterwards, just what's going on. And there's been some really, I mean, it's, you can tell how management, uh, how you've been working through becoming a better manager and just learning to become a, a manager. Um, and really just, it's been cool to hear your heart for the people that work under you and work with you. Um, I know we've, we've been praying for them for years now. So yeah. Yeah. Whether you guys like it or not, you're getting prayed for anybody. <laughs> <that's listening>. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate you saying it. I mean, because, and it probably doesn't even come off that way all the time with me because of, uh, we've, we've talked about, it. I, I lack a little bit of empathy sometimes. And I think as a manager, you definitely need empathy, uh, along with, uh, the other side, but, uh, I, I, I do, I'm continuing to, to work on that. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I feel for everybody that's been on the team, people that have struggled and we've, like you said, we've gone through a lot of different challenges throughout the years of, you know, particular things that have happened in, in their lives and, uh, just going what's happened with the company through that time as well. But, you know, yeah, we're, we're always trying to, always trying to help them work with them and, and do anything we can. And at the end of the day, nothing, nothing can beat the power of prayer sometimes. So you got to got to do what you can. Yeah. I think you've mentioned that you tend to lack empathy. Um, but I think getting to know you, like, you know, after knowing you for what, 10, 10 ish years now, almost just like seeing the heart beneath all that is really cool. So it, it might come off as a lack of empathy on the outside, but I think we'll get into it even a little bit in this podcast, just seeing the heart and the kind of passion behind it. Uh, is pretty cool and, you know, glad to experience that part of Mike. So Yeah, well, again, I appreciate you saying it, um, even though it might not come off <laughs> all that way sometimes <laughs> might to be some deep people. down in there, but that <laughs> empathy is there. Yeah, but no, and I, and, and kind of last thing I guess I'll say is as long as with, with Spyglass itself, I mean, we've, everybody, every company has had to make some tough decisions throughout uh, everything that's happened with COVID over the last six, seven months and our, our company, our owners, I mean, everyone, they've, they've always been, they always look out for their employees with everything that they're doing. And they've looked out for me through some of the times that we've gone through and they've always been there for that. And I know they're doing everything to, uh, to do what they can to get, get us in the right spot. And I, you know, even with the tough decisions that we made, I know that, the future is bright and we've got a lot of good things ahead. So looking forward to the next 11, 12, how long I've been there, 12 <laughs> years now, the next 12 years with, with Spyglass. So, yeah. Cool. Speaking of things that maybe give you more empathy, you know, when you go through hard times in life that you, you feel um, a lot and you're able to then relate to other people that are going through tough times as well too. So we have our, our be noble pillar um, talking about helping other people go through things. Talk about some of the, maybe the tougher things that you've been through here in your adult life as well. Sure. So before going into a little bit of that, married to Sarah, uh, we've been married for, oh boy, it's uh, just hit the 11th year. I'd have to remember that real quick. Hey. But I, <laughs> I, thought, I thought back to our 10 year uh, Punta Cana vacation last year and so this year's 11 so so much time to prepare for this episode so much time but i didn't (laughs) but i didn't prepare so uh 
so married to Sarah for 11 years, and this is my chance to uh, give her all of the props because you guys all know Sarah, and you know very well that I married up uh, a yeah, lot. We, we mm-hmm. talked about that on Dan's podcast, Did actually. We? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. So, <laughs> so I'll say it again, I guess, because yeah, it can't be said enough and need her to know how much uh, she's done for me in my life to help me grow in a lot of different areas. So that's that's Sarah. And then we got three boys, Ryder, who is seven now, Emmett, who's five, and Coleman, who's two. Talk about challenges, and we'll definitely talk about some challenges here, but that's just a challenge in itself. As all you guys <laughs> know, just raising raising young kids and especially three boys and you know, Andrew, you got four, you got the double trouble with the twins, Ryan, you got twins, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a challenge. And that's the biggest thing, just the, the work life balance, um, doing everything that comes with your, your job, uh, raising a family, the kids in that stage. I mean, doing some other things on the side, like we're trying to do with the podcast while, while venturing into everything else that we're doing, you know, it's a, it's, it's a challenge, and you look at those days sometimes and be like, man, why can't they just be a little bit older so that we can just have them be a little bit more rational? Not be as little as <laughs> less dependent on everything that you need to do. Yeah, but and then I have to bring myself back down because it's like you're not going to get these years back. Yep. And it is, I mean, they are fun in a lot of different ways, even though they are challenging. So uh, try not to think that way. I guess I'll, I'll say that too. I'm sure other people have heard it, but to anybody listening, like enjoy, enjoy those years as dad, because you're, you're not going to get them back. And you know, anytime your, your kids are asking to, to do something with them, just, just do it. I mean, have fun. Yeah. yeah. You talked about work-life balance. Is that, is that one of your methodologies? Just, uh, if they ask you to do something, just go for it. Uh, I'd like to say that's a hundred percent. Yes, but <laughs> uh, I can't be, can't just tell a lie I, I would say i i try to always do it it just might not be right at the time you know so right. if i'm doing if we're doing something i try to say yeah but i'll i'll get to that but i'll do it then and they don't always understand that and get that sometimes it is important because you do have to prioritize what's going on and what you got to do but yeah i definitely try to do as much of that as possible with them at the time found that especially challenging uh as we've hit the, the COVID era and working from home constantly because they always pop into my office and want to do something right now, but have to say, yeah, let, let me finish this up and then we'll do it. But you've been actually working from home for a while. So do you have any tips there? Uh, yeah, well, I was just, <laughs> I was just getting used to working back in an office again <laughs> and getting some, you know, a new unique motivation at that point and then COVID happens and now we're all back stuck at home and you got to work through that challenge. No, the biggest thing, if you're talking about a work life balance and working from home is you've got to set boundaries and expectations, you know, cause you, you do have a job to do and on both sides, right? On both sides. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And you know, from a, from a work standpoint, now, some days might be different depending on what's going on, but for the most part, you know, Sarah knows and understands you know, eight to five is I'm in my office and I'm working. I might come out, see them during lunch, uh, different breaks during the day. She's always been good with that and keeping the boys out of there for the most part. I mean, you can't necessarily control them all the time. <laughs> uh, so I think boundaries and expectations and just setting all of that stuff, and that goes for anything. I mean, you've got to have good expectations set. So that would be the biggest thing for me. 
so I, yeah, I guess I'll I'll jump back then a little bit. So that's that's one of those challenges. Uh, another big challenge is we're talking about be noble here in this pillar. You know, be noble for me, and I think for all of us starts with our relationship with Christ. You know, you can't be noble and in our world without that first. You know, everything that we do is because we've been saved by grace. We're not saved by works and we're not trying to do good works to, to get to heaven. You know, we, we know that we don't deserve it and we're all broken and we're all messed up, but we've, for some reason, have been saved by a savior who have given us the opportunity to love him and serve him. And so I think anything that you're doing and we're doing from a noble standpoint is because we're, we're, we're trying to live the life that we should for him. And so I think that was all brought, uh, very much into the light for us, you know, a couple, it was three and a half years ago at this point when Ryder got his brain tumor. I mean, we was getting headaches and we're like, all right, well, we should get this checked out. And I was actually on a business trip at the time and Sarah took him in and like, I wasn't expecting to get that call, you know, when, uh, <clears throat> but yeah, definitely was not expecting to get the uh, the call. You know, driving the car on the highway, saying, you know, it's a it's a brain tumor, and you know, I, I lost it, and I just didn't know, you know, what <clears throat> what I mean, what we're gonna do. Like, why why is this being brought into our life right now? It just you know, it didn't make sense, and we just didn't know like what what was God's plan for it. Like, what could be the point of giving a, a three and a half year old a, a brain tumor? And that that kind of just opened things up for us to be like, all right, well, God, I mean, you've you've got to have a plan here. What what is it? And you know that that created the whirlwind of a few months for us, just dealing with Ryder as he uh, went through the surgeries and didn't know after that if he was ever gonna even talk again or walk again or. You know, he had to relearn how to do all of that stuff. And so seeing a, seeing a kid have to go through that, it kind of, you know, puts things into perspective into your own life of what's important and what really matters. And so tested, uh, tested our faith for sure. And um, I think uh, that was the, the biggest thing so far in my life that's shown, you know, shown me how much I needed to rely on him and, on Christ and not have my identity in something else because man, I can't imagine going through something like that and not having your faith rooted in God. Because if your faith, I mean, if your if your identity is in your kids at that point, I mean, that's you can go down such a bad negative path and just think like the world is coming to get you. Um, but you know, we've already seen so much positivity come from that in his life stories that we've been able to tell people that we've been able to meet and um you know again we know that it's just the beginning of his story and what it is for him because again we don't it's still a it's still an unknown for us i mean even now three and a half years later um you know he gets mris every three months and he's on a second round of chemo right now and um after that we don't we don't know it's probably going to be uh, in the spring when we, uh, when we stop that chemo, we'll see how things go. We'll keep doing MRIs and pretty much figure out 
what the next step is from there. So it's, it's going to be an ongoing process. And, uh, I think it's, <laughs> I think part of it is that way. Cause God, we know that we continue to need to be tested. Like we can't get comfortable and it's, uh, you know, so it's, we continue to have to rely on him through that and trust in him. And we, we do, I mean, I think no matter what we, we trust that there's a continued plan for what's happening there. And it's helped us to, to really get through that time and, and use it to his, uh, you know, to his glory. I remember as we were going through CLC, like we were sharing our testimonies and, um, our friends posts is, you know, kind of how we, how we talked about that, the major turning points in our lives. And, like you had mentioned, this was before Ryder's cancer, and you had mentioned that nothing had happened in your life that you felt like you were tested. And um, you know, I think with Ryder's cancer and with all of his treatment, I think you've hit that mark. And I've always been amazed with how you and Sarah have shown strength and devotion and commitment to God throughout the entire thing. And it's been awesome to watch you be able to share that story with, uh, you had that speech at Akron Children's and, you know, now the, the video. And I, I just wanted to tell you, you know, how awesome it is to watch you go through this with steadfastness and um, be able to share that story. So, yeah, thanks, man. And, you know, that's, I remember all of that vividly because I would always say that I was like, well, when is my test coming? Cause I know it is, you know, cause I never had to go through that. And that was my testimony before was it was always, uh, well, I grew up in the faith and grew up in the church. So it's kind of that boring testimony, but that changed for me going through CLC. Cause I was like, man, I hear all these other guys who have gone through this stuff. And I'm like, you know, Hey, my testimony is not boring. You know, I've, I've got to be raised in a, in a great, Christian family with great parents and, um, and sisters and, you know, got to, got to have that kind of, uh, life growing up that a lot of people don't, you know, especially with all of the things that you're seeing in, in the world today and all of the injustice that's going on. Like you can just tell people aren't given those opportunities growing up, you know, no matter what, what race, I mean, you, you, you grow up a certain way. And so that was, that was eye opening to me at the time when, when I was learning kind of what my testimony meant. And then, you know, God still had to throw that in there, but you know, <laughs> <I> was, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what do you think, what was the biggest impact of that on your life? Like, how has it changed you as a person, your relationship with God, your relationship with Sarah, your relationship anywhere? Yeah, I think kind of like I said, it's putting things into perspective and helping helping me to really just 100% rely on God, you know. And sometimes I can even take that too far, like, you know, hey, I don't what what can what can I really do in this scenario? Like, God has a plan for it, and you can almost get caught too much in that. Where I just did a spiritual gifts assessment and like faith, definitely number one, like, and some of the other things <laughs> like that, on like mercy and empathy <laughs> or whatever it might have been, those are at the bottom. But, but, uh, but no, I mean, that, that's been the biggest thing is, and I, and I think it is, and it's, it's very helpful for me in my life to have, to just have that dependence on him because it gives you, it just gives you confidence and it gives you a lack of worry and anxiety towards, just things that are going on. Like, I mean, 
again, if you don't have that, like right now you're probably freaking out about COVID and racial injustice and, you know, the election that's coming up and politics and whatever and the wildfires. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of scary stuff that's out there that if you let that overcome, overcome you, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna really take you down a bad path. So, you know, it does, it definitely does give you, gives me, um, confidence that ultimately there's a, there's a God that's, that's out there that, that knows this is going on. He's watching over it. And ultimately, you know, if if we're trusting in him, you know, that's, that's all we can really do and things will work out. And I feel like that's one of the biggest things I've seen over the time that I've known you since starting in that CLC for the last decade or so that, that after you went through that in conversations with you, like you could just cut through the fluff of whatever it was, you know, whatever kind of that superficial excuse was like, you could just cut through that then and you could see through that stuff and know what is my purpose? What am I here for? What's, you know, what's the point of this conversation we're having? And you could just cut through those kind of things like a lot easier and, and just try to live life to the fullest, you know, knowing whether that was, you know, diving in and just having a good time or like having a serious conversation. And that was just noticing that change in you. Like when you go through something hard like that, that's going to change. It's going to change your perspective. And I feel like that's something that I appreciate a lot that you had to go through that. And I remember getting the call, finding out that he had a tumor and, you know, trying to figure out ways we could rally around you guys. But I feel like, you know, you guys going through that and that just how that changes your perspective on there's so many things we worry a ton about in life that really are pretty meaningless, like on the big scale. And I feel like, like you got to experience that and got to see a lot of that and just know like a lot of these things we worry about, a lot of these things we strive hard for and we spend all this time, you know, shooting for in life, like really don't have a big impact on us and really aren't going to make us any happier at all when it's all said and done. And like, you can kind of cut through a lot of that uh, now, like after being through something traumatic like that and getting to see your own son have to suffer through something. Um, so I feel like that in some ways that's really valuable to go through something that's hard like that. And then that way you don't feel like you have to waste a ton of time looking at all these other things and trying to pursue all these other things because you get to see what's really valuable in life. Yeah. And again, thanks. Thanks for saying that and hearing you say that uh, makes me see where some of that lack of empathy comes from. Cause I think that <laughs> that plays into it for me is sometimes I'm like, you know, I'm not trying to compare it to me. Everybody's gone through different challenges and things that are going on. So whatever that is for you, you know, there's there's bigger things to worry about than some of the things that can, you know, people can spend way too much time on. And I'll, I'll also give props to uh, Redemption Chapel through that time. I mean, because had had great leadership there. And that's one thing that I think we all can say about our leadership from the pulpit is it's pretty cut Mm -hmm. and dry and black and white biblical principles first, you know, and they're not going to, they're not going to sugarcoat some of that stuff because, you know, we don't need sugarcoating and give props to them for that. Rick, Jared, Austin, I mean, where, um, some of the things going on, the the divisiveness that's going on in today's day and age that can go into any church that's, um, that's out there. And I think I've, I've been having a few conversations with uh, people lately on this and it's like if you're at a church that is not continuing to uh, grow your relationship with Christ and also continuing to help you uh, learn how to be better at sharing the word and talking to others and bringing others to Christ then 
you know, that church might not be the place for you anymore, you know? And so that might not be redemption for some people. And that might not be whatever church that it is that you're at. But I know for me, like redemptions helped me a ton through that and continues to help me grow. So, you know, and having obviously good guys like you around who are part of the church, you know, having that good group, that core, core, core four, core four. <laughs> you know. And we talk a lot about that accountability and, you know, working out and things like that. But I think that's, that's the biggest area of accountability, like making sure that we're not getting distracted with a bunch of dumb stuff and we're not focusing on things that are going to be a big waste of time. So I feel like that's always part of that, that accountability that we strive for and that we want um, and that we talk about a lot and just being transparent and knowing, knowing each other, knowing what we're going through and then calling each other on our crap. If there is that. Yep. I mean, calling each other on the crap, but then also, I mean, there is that aspect of you said earlier, Andrew, living life to the fullest. There is a be chill aspect of it because <laughs> I'm I'm very much on both spectrums. I'm ready for the tough conversations and doing whatever is needed there. But again, I mean, it's uh, we talked about this on I don't I don't remember I don't know if that was with Dan too or someone else, but uh, read Randy Alcorn's book Heaven, and it's like we're doing some of that stuff here on Earth, and we should be doing it and enjoying it and enjoying life and those aspects of life. Um, because it gives you a taste of what heaven's going to be like and only a taste. Like, so all of our funtivities and times that we've had, I mean, it's, it's great to do and great to have that time as well in your life to, to be able to, to be able to just enjoy life. You know, we're all, we're only here for a short time really when you think about it. And I think we can define that term funtivities, I think was coined by you. Yeah, so for, for sure, our, for our, sure. A Mike Brownism. <laughs> that's a Mike Brownism or be chill pillar. Yeah. I think Mike just epitomizes the beach chill pillar as well. Um, so I think funtivities, there was activities that we were required to do in this CLC Bible study. And then there was funtivities, which were Mike coming up with awesome, outrageous activities that we would end up doing just to get closer to each other, do something crazy, get out of the box a little bit. Yeah. And, did, and funtivities did, were born. Did it start with the arm wrestling tournament? Is that... Yeah, we just did that to kind of kick off the, because when Andrew and I started leading the uh, business by the book section, we, I was just like, you know, we need to just, instead no of normal just ice breakers, opening icebreaker, let's, let's start this thing off with an arm wrestling competition <laughs> or, you know, I forget what else we did. We did mini like, cornhole. Yeah, I think mini cornhole. cornhole. We did some like, I think some, uh, what was it? Partner Wash carries. each other's partner feet, carries. maybe. That's what partner, partner carries. carries. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that just started. It's like, I got to got to think outside the box sometimes and have some fun. Yeah, like there's a lot of serious stuff in life and there's things that we need to focus on and then like you said there's there's areas there's a lot of room to just not take ourselves too seriously. There's a lot of serious things that go on in life, but we don't want to take ourselves too seriously. And I think our church says that a lot too. They don't mm-hmm. want to take themselves too seriously. We take God seriously, we take Jesus seriously, but ourselves we want to be able to relax, we want to be able to have a good time yeah. and show that good time to others too. I think you can agree i try to epitomize that as much as i can <laughs> you really yeah. do yeah so we've recorded a podcast down at your lake house with mm-hmm. mark mm-hmm. Uh, mark benedict from fiday and um you know, that has become a, a summer summer fall spring and sometimes winter staple that yeah. we <laughs> head down to the lake house and and have a good time so i mean what other what other be chill stuff you got man what what are your favorite things to chill out to Dude, well, that's it. I mean, I love spending time with you guys at the lake and obviously with the, the family and friends. I mean, that was the whole reason why 
we pulled the trigger a few years ago on the lake house didn't think that we would be doing it but ultimately it was a it was a great deal at the time and we could make it happen financially and you know so we uh, we did it to be able to utilize with our family and friends but also to to be able to um you know get it out there for other people to use i mean we want i mean if you're hearing this i reach out to us like we want we want it to be used like we don't want it to sit there so we want people to be able to just go there and um, take their family and, and have some fun as well so you know that's been that's been great i mean something that we've spent a ton of time with um as you know, with our family over the last few years but outside of that it's really just you know spending time with the kids and with sarah and right now i mean especially the summer just finishing up the boys all been riding bikes so rider emmett even coleman uh, everybody knows coleman now and his little balance bike will fly down our driveway so you know they're all riding bikes and, and having a great time so we'd love just doing that stuff hanging out outside doing anything uh outdoor related and this is a shout out to to you and sarah you guys are great hosts so that's I would that's say, more Sarah than me. Well, Sarah Sarah's a great host, but you're like a ringleader. So, getting people together to do something fun is right up Mike's alley, and easily just kind of happens naturally, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, if if some if fun's not happening, I feel like it should be. <laughs> so it just something triggers in my mind to be like, all right, well, we're actually not doing something this weekend. Okay, should we just chill then? You know, we should have at least have one night where we do something and then we get 20 <laughs> people over and you know, have some fun, but, you know. This, is Sarah on board with that or is she just oh, yeah. for the Sarah, ride? That's all Sarah. She's chill, man. Sarah's, <laughs> she's uh, chill. hospitality 101. Yeah, that's all she wants to do is have people over. So I've yeah. probably eaten a thousand of Sarah's cookies that she has made. Oh, so at least. Again, another <laughs> shout out to Sarah. Yeah. Talk about if you want to. Great cookies. If anybody else listening wants a good baked good. You know, or a good casserole with a lot of cheese on it. Just talk to Sarah and her family. <laughs> they'll, they'll help you out. <laughs> All right, Mike, to cap things off, kind of wrap up the beach hill, we often like to get resources, books, podcasts, things that we're, that we're digging into that we just enjoy that are you know, kind of building us up. What are some resources you're going through right now? Yeah, so I mentioned Ryan Hawk's uh, Welcome to Management book. Great one for anybody, anybody really looking to get better in leadership in their life. And you don't have to be in management to to do that. So the, that book is, is really helpful towards that. His podcast is, is very helpful towards that. And so I would, I would recommend that. And uh, for more of a business side too, the book Switch was very helpful for me. I uh, read that a while back and have read it, read it again since, but that's uh, how to change when change is hard. And that's something that's always been harder for me to adapt with is when there's, you know, a change that needs to be made. I haven't always been the, the quickest adapter. So uh, that book is really helpful when, if you feel like that's one of your struggles, then I'd recommend looking into that book. Uh, I've done a lot more faith-based and spiritual development stuff lately and have really been into the audiobooks as we got into that challenge back in uh in the winter and pounded through about nine audiobooks in those three months um to win the competition thank you <laughs> did, did we talk about that how that was part of our competition i don't remember if we brought that up but we did mention that or not. a weight loss and kind of self-improvement challenge and reading or listening to books was part of that and we counted audiobooks and Mike took advantage of that. <laughs> there were a lot of us that did, but Mike really 
Well, that was, yeah, I mean, that was the first time, even after all my years on the road, like I couldn't, I couldn't listen to books back then because I was driving so much. It would just put me to sleep at the time. And now, which is not good for driving. It's not so. good for driving. I don't recommend that. So if that happens to you while driving, don't do it. So, but one thing, one book that we, we read in, uh, back in CL, the CLC days that stuck out to me was questioning evangelism. And that was good as a sales guy. I mean, all that book really talks about is when you're trying to uh, talk to other people about your faith and bringing them to faith, it's just about asking questions. You don't, we don't have all the answers. Obviously we're not, you know, we're not God. We're not experts on the Bible either. We've grown up in it more. And so we've got a little bit more background there than some do, but you know, we're never going to have all the answers. So if we're trying to force our opinions and our thoughts and, points to, to other people. It's uh, anytime you're trying to force something on somebody, it's going to push them the other way. But if you're just asking questions and trying to figure out where they're coming from, you can almost get them to stumble into their own realization of how what they're saying doesn't make sense and how what you're saying actually does make sense. And, you know, so that, that was big for me at the time, uh, was cause again, with the sales side of it, it was the same thing. Like you can be a pushy salesperson and try to push a product on, on somebody. But anytime you do that, it's going to kind of push them in the other direction where if you just ask questions and figure out how you can help them out, you know, ultimately they can come to the realization themselves. It, it, it's a much better sale over overall. That's what evangelism really is. It's sales. I think that falls back to your motivation comment too, in sales and in evangelism. Like you're trying to come alongside somebody and you want to help them. Uh, so you want to take that approach that you're walking with them as opposed to butting heads. Yeah. A hundred percent. And any, I don't know if anybody on my team is listening to this. They probably don't. And that's okay. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I talk about it all the time with them. It's like, you can talk about all these different sales tactics. At the end of the day, all we're trying to do is try to figure out what's important to your person that you're talking to in their role and their company. And how can we fit in with that? If you can do that, it makes everything easier. You don't have to worry about all of the, am I asking the right questions? You know, it's, how can I help you out? So that was good. Um, lately, uh, Act Like Men has been big. We've talked about it uh, a little bit on the, on, the po- on the podcast. And it's just been good. More of that very direct, like, um, yeah, if, you're a, if you're a man of God, like, here are some things to really help you in your walk. And uh, so that was, that was very helpful. We'll probably finish up that conversation at some point, Yeah, jump back into that and finish that book maybe in one, one podcast uh, for the entire book. Yeah. I've finished, I've gone through that book maybe three times this year. So it's been a, it's been a good one on the same lines, uh, starting to get more into a little bit of Mark Driscoll stuff as well. And, it's funny, he and James McDonald have both had some controversy with things around him. But again, if you look at the person, you're always going to find the faults, you know. But if you look at the message and the biblical side of things that, that's coming from it, you know, that's, that's where we're striving for. So we're striving towards what, what really is the message and where it's coming from. And it's all coming from, again, biblical principles. And Mark Driscoll is another guy who really just is cut and dry and, it's, uh, and really hits you um, – hits you, hits you home at home. And, and so his book, who do you think you are is talking more about the identity and finding your identity in all the different areas that you can in your life. So just finish that one up and 
Um, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus was a great one. Uh, I know you guys, some of you have done that one as well. Yeah, I've read that too from the Bill Crushy. Yep. yep. That was just, I mean, such a, and again, such an eye-opening book because <clears throat> us in our little lives here trying to find Jesus and have a better relationship with him, you know, you got a guy who comes from a, a Muslim family who has to pretty much uh, denounce himself from his family, his faith, anything his culture says is right, and but does it because of the power of Christ and what that is and what that means for his life. And he knows he had to do it. You yeah. Know? And what's interesting in that book too, is that Nabil talks about how that ended up happening. And it was somebody who was persistent, somebody who asked questions, somebody who came alongside him and just wanted to find out the truth with him and yep. just sat down and asked those questions and had those conversations that ultimately led to Nabil finding, finding the truth. And like you said, being denounced by his family and, um, just separating completely from his previous life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was set it, setting out to f- prove Christianity wrong. I mean, that was, that right. was his whole main goal mm-hmm. and, uh, didn't, didn't work out well for him in that, in that sense. <laughs> well, it did work out the best. <laughs> it wor- worked out very well in that sense. But, and then a couple other ones I'll just throw out there. Love some Bob Goff. I think we all love him yeah, too. Man. You know, that's just some good kind of easy, easy reading for um, for what God's love can do for you in your life and just spreading that and using that love in just a fun way to uh, to bring it to other people. Good for 2020. Yes. Oh, really yeah. good. Really good for right good. Read some, Inspirational stories. Read some Love Does and everybody always just get download those right now and uh, it'll it'll give you some good, good stuff for what we're dealing with in today's day and age. Um, sure. And last one I'll mention, I know, Ryan, you're a big fan of Crazy Love, Francis Chan. <laughs> Huge you know. Francis Chan fan. Yeah, he, <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a good one. It, it was, I mean, again, wasn't one of my favorites that I read this year, but it's a, it's a good one. Uh, cause again, it's just all talking about God's love when you're thinking about things into perspective, like, man, it's, we think about God too small sometimes and think about the things that he's done for us and what that what that really means that we should be doing for him and it can make you really you know think about how you're spending your days so mike i I love you even more now well (laughs) i love you matt and i love you all yeah man well we all have a lot of love for you mike this has been Mike Brown, Core Four Life Podcast. Um, hey, glad to do own. it, and I'll be here next time too. <laughs> and you will be here next time. So if you didn't like hearing from Mike, too bad. You're gonna hear too a bad. lot more from him. <laughs> yeah, you come, shouldn't listen forward. to the podcast then, because I'm <laughs> gonna be here. Unsubscribe, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Should yeah. we say that? No. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks, thanks man. man. That's been awesome to hear a little bit more about your story. Yep. See ya. Peace. Core Four Life out. Thanks for checking out the Core 4 Life podcast. If you like what you're hearing, why don't you tell a friend about us? Share a link to our podcast on social media or get in touch with us at Core4Life or Core4Life.com. That's Core, F-O-U-R, life.com. Catch you next time.
core for life. Yep. I said a core for life. <laughs> <laughs> Dilly.